Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for 24, the first season, day one. We are into the final disc right now yeah. of the first season, day one, episode 21, 8 pm to 9 pm, written by Joel Cerno and Michael Lucheff, directed by Stephen Hopkins. And, oh, we're getting juicy. We're getting excitable. We're getting everything with this episode. And, again, I just want to keep watching. I don't want to record. I want to be watching. I just want to keep watching, watching, watching. Because we are really getting into the meat and potatoes of this season. And I'm very much looking forward to talking more about this. My name is Ben. And shut up. I've been listening to this crap all day about how I get everything I want and how my life is so great and everybody else's life sucks. Well, you want to know something? You don't know anything about me. Last night I was kidnapped, tied up in the back of a truck, and then I got to see your friend Dan get shot in the head. You take all the bad luck you've had in your entire life. It wouldn't fit into half of what's happened to me in the past 24 hours. So messing me up may not be as easy as you think, but if you want to try, bring it on. Here, outside, any place you like. I feel sick. Um. (laughs) 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 Sorry. And my name is Colin, and just keep her out of my face, okay? (laughs) I actually forgot how bad the dialogue around Bring It On was. I thought it was just Bring It On. But, I mean, I'm surprised she didn't bring up Todd. Like, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Why did Dion Phaneuf marry this woman? Um, I love you, Alicia Cuthbert. Please come on the show. But, like, your character is just not doing well. Um, the, I mean, look, as I, I seemingly keep saying with this part of the season, I'm just hooked, I'm on board. The Jack stuff is, to me, the best stuff in this episode by far. Um, Terry, is it CTU? And <laughs> will constantly be told a new, every single episode from now to the rest of the season, somebody new will be kidnapped, basically. So, <laughs> um, and Kim's there. There's this weird Palmer drama story, which I still don't know how I feel about. Um, but yeah, I, like, this is the thing, like, if I actually think about this episode and break it down, it's maybe not a great episode, but again, I'm so, like, I know what's to come, so I'm just, I'm, I'm back again, I keep saying this every week in the last few weeks, I'm 14, 15 year old Ben, knowing what's to come, and just so excited mm. on the edge of my seat, so I, I, I may be being a little bit biased here, but I mean, the Jack stuff's great, come on. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sort of in the middle on this one because I've managed to put myself in the same mindset that you're using, you know, imagine what it was like watching this the first time around and that, and that does make it a lot better, but also having known 
some of this stuff and what's coming up. I mean, I'm just not looking forward to the Kim drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Palmer drama, to me, doesn't play as well as I remember. This is one of the things that, uh, you know, I, I remembered being a little bit better than it is or handled a little bit better, you know, with the, the Monica Lewinsky storyline that we're about to get here. <laughs> but um, uh, the one thing I will say is with with Kim's storyline, I think I even mentioned this earlier on uh, around the midseason mark, but I had blocked out like everything that happens to Kim afterwards. When you start to mention things like, oh, when she's in jail, I'm like, okay, I remember that now. And oh, when when you know she meets Rick again and there's there's you know Dan's brother and stuff, okay, I start to remember that now. But the funny thing is season two, which I think arguably is a much worse storyline for Kim, is ingrained vividly in my memory. And yet this, I just forgot it. And I'm I'm kind of glad I forgot it because I held season one in a higher regard, but now that I'm having to remember it, <laughs> I think my season one memories are being shattered a little bit. However, I'm so excited for the finale because I could see where we're going now. Look, I, 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 I'll be honest, I've watched ahead. I've watched right to the end of the season. And um, look, I, I won't hear a bad word against the finale. Like, I, I it, it might automatically be the greatest episode of 24. Uh, like, I mean, <laughs> I just, every time I watch it, it just, oh, it's, it's incredible. And there's actually... Maybe like I, I've I've been a bit um I've said a few times about how you know there's three guaranteed moments to me in the finale that will make the top five, um one in the second last episode which leaves you know maybe one moment I actually might even have four moments from the last episode that make the top five and one from the penultimate so we might have all moments from the last two episodes i mean i want to maybe we'll have a code number five like with boon dying because i think you and i are big advocates for a certain scene in one of the episodes that i think we really want to fight for it but outside of that like holy crap there was there was one scene in the finale that i thought like fuck this is a great scene this has got to make the top five but um anyway we're getting ahead of ourselves but yeah this is the weakest of the final disc of the dvd (laughs) um Mm -hmm. i mean this could be one of these ones where like i go in thinking i'm definitely buying it no matter what but i might sort of talk about it because again yeah there's there's some stuff in this like i mean let's just get terry out of the way terry goes to ctu i'm just getting jumping straight in colin um she's at ctu she basically wants to call people she finds out that kim's safe but then jack's kidnapped that's about it that's terry Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i mean nina feels bad don't forget the most important part listen we need to debrief you terry again yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and also, like, can I just say that um, it's it's so hard to say this because I can't say anything more until at least three episodes. Sarah Clark kind of seems bored at this point. Like, is it just me? Like, uh... I'm not trying to bag out her. Like, because I'm assuming they've gotten the scripts of the rest of this season, so they sort of know how it's going to play out. So maybe she's playing her character a certain way. But, like, mm-hmm. there's just some of these scenes to me... And, like, again, I can't go into detail. I wish we could, like, come back and do this episode again once we've gone over the spoiler. But, like, I don't know if she's playing it a certain way. But, she, I don't know, she just comes across as bored in some aspects. Is that just me? Well, I, I can sort of see what you're saying. Because her performance, you you can sort of read, oh, I know where this is going. Now I have to play this differently. And there's another episode which, uh, well, I think one of my least favorite episodes of the season, the, the Hanlon <laughs> episode, mm where I, I didn't mention it in the episode for reason of spoilers, but you could see how clever it was that the writers were writing her a certain way. We're like, we know where we're going with this. We're going to throw some subtle things in here. 
And I, I, I do like that better than now knowing that she probably knows this. But there's something about Sarah Clark where she's just so cool mm. uh, in, in the similar way to Jack, where everything's so natural. And I'd mentioned all the way at the beginning of the season that even in season one, before we get to the twist, Nina was one of my favorite characters. And I think it is because there's just something so natural about her. So her being bored doesn't hurt the same way as it hurts some other actors because she just has such a natural charisma about her. Yeah, no, like I, I, I completely agree. I like I, I, no way am I saying it was a criticism of it. And like again, it's just it. Maybe we talked. What's about your problem enough. with Sarah Clark? Just say it now. Nothing. She's a great. I love Sarah Clark, even though I've only seen her. I think in like one thing outside of Twenty Four. But um, <laughs> it's yeah, like I, I yeah, it's, it's just strange. Like and again, I, I would play it down to the fact that yeah, she I think would know what is happening sort of towards the end of things. But um, I don't really want to lump a lot of the. I mean, okay, sorry, Terry sees. Uh, Mason at one point and thanks him for his kindness. I, I like, I weirdly like Mason talks to Terry. Like I love it. Mason's a good boss. Like Mason's a very good, like spin boss. Like he can kind of yeah. like tow it and like spin it. And like, just, I don't know, like Xander Berkeley just adds something to this that kind of works. And we're not going to see this too much from him next season, but like from the beginning of this season, when we're like, Oh, he's a dick, he's evil. And we're still kind of pretending that he's evil, or maybe he is, I don't know. Uh, but, like, there's just something about how he handles Terry here and the whole situation, like when he's trying to get through to Chappelle and all that kind of stuff that, you know, Mason Mason's really good in this episode. Yeah, the, the part that was in my opening quote, too, just the way that he goes from one extreme to another, he is the boss. He is the, the politician of CTU, which is basically his job. And he's not necessarily a good guy. Like, he is a total dick, but he is great at his job because, Terry, Terry, I'm so sorry about this. I, I, I really want to help. I, we're going we're gonna to find Jack. You know, I'm here for you. And as soon as she walks out, it's like, keep her out of my face. His, his random faceless assistant, Rebecca, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Get Rebecca. Go down and B- see Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca's going to take you. I want you to watch her like a hawk. Keep her out of my face, Rebecca. I love Rebecca on the phone. What do you want me to do with her? I don't care. You do this. (laughs) Like, I wonder if there's like real sexual chemistry between Mason and like, you know, this is just some sort of office role play, you know, like here you're in command. Like, Is it Rebecca command? Like, get me Rebecca command. (laughs) Give me Rebecca command. (laughs) Assistant command. I've got Rebecca for you. I don't want Rebecca. I want a better assistant than Rebecca. Give me Karen. (laughs) Um, but uh, like, uh, yeah, I guess the other CTU stuff is just, um, uh, I mean, Mason's on the phone to Dre's and it's kind of crossing into the, the Jack storyline. And, um, then yeah, Mason spends half the episode getting Chappelle and Chappelle's just basically like, <laughs> you fucked up trying to get Chappelle. <laughs> well, like, in all fairness, like, I just love how like the whole episode is like trying to get Chappelle. And then when Chappelle gets on, he's just basically like, I've been in this meeting and this meeting, like you're embarrassing us. Cover this up. <laughs> Which, in all fairness, kind of got to agree with Chappelle. Like, yeah. you know, this is a secret prisoner off the grid. We shouldn't know about this. So, therefore, why are you making a big deal out of it? Like, yeah, I, I kind and of on board with Chappelle here. I, I, even on another level, I'm on board with him because because we know Jack, we're like, oh, how could they do this? How could they order a strike when Jack's still in there? But if this were nameless agent, if this were Agent Rebecca... Yeah. or Agent J or Agent Hanlon, yep. you know, what are we going to do? Okay, so we want to do a prisoner exchange or we want to you know, try to extract our agent. But mm-hmm. we have the most, one of the most dangerous men being held in the country 
who's about to escape. You're just going to bomb them. Like you're, you're not going to, if it's Hanlon or Rebecca or Jay or something like that, there's no question about it. You're making this call. And Chappelle too, I wanted to comment. Uh, what I loved is uh, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that Chappelle's a little bit different in this season, uh, a little bit smarmier. And I wanted just the, the complete cold Chappelle and we get him for the first time here. This is the scene that is going to be the basis for everything that uh, Paul Schultz is going to do for the next two seasons. And I kind of like almost timid Mason that kind of like, <laughs> I always picture Mason as kind of like being the boss. Like I'm in command here, but like, yeah. I always sort of forget that he kind of gets a bit cowardly under Chappelle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's sort of like, it's, it's the chain of command, but like uh, just even Xander Berkeley's reaction, like when he gets off the phone and then he calls Nina and he's just basically like, you know, there's nothing we can do. Like they're going in with without Jack. Like, you know, he, you can tell it kind of at this point, it's sort of like, he's almost on board with Jack here, but he's just kind of like, I've got to follow procedure. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I kind of like that. And like, again, with connecting with the Jack stuff, Jack's called up and basically said, we need uh, backup command to come and help. <laughs> um, and that's basically, they're waiting for the word and then they're just going to send them in anyway because they can't let Drazen escape. Um, one thing that I am very confused about is this is an off-the-grid facility which Mason and Jack had a nice little bromance in a field for like an hour. Um, didn't know it existed, yet within five minutes they can pull up the schematics of this facility. Um, like if, for a place that they didn't know existed, what do they just type in? Hidden prisons. Oh, there it is. Did, yeah. did, did, did. Yeah, what's, <laughs> what's the name of the area again? Uh, so- uh, Saugus. Saugus. Yes. Saugus yeah. secret <laughs> facility. Oh, I just typed it in Google Maps. There it is. Um, <laughs> come get treated to five-star hotel-like service at your local prison. Break the law. Come to Saugus hidden facility. Um, Private so- in-cell toilets available. <laughs> in-cell toilet command. <laughs> uh, but you didn't come in at 5 a.m. to format files, but you did come in at 5 a.m. to sleep in comfort. Be greeted by world-renowned actor Lou Diamond Phillips at our new facilities, <laughs> Underground Saugus. Learn how to do a somewhat okay Serbian accent with Dennis Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say right now, last week I think I was like, oh, like he does a really good accent. You can think like he, you believe he's like an evil Serbian. This episode, no. he lost it. Yeah. <laughs> I am the evil Russian guy who I want to kidnap with Jack Bauer. I will train the life of Jack Bauer. Do you know what works about it, though, is that Dennis Hopper, maybe it is the accent, but you don't feel he's playing Dennis Hopper because we're so used to him being a villain in everything he's in that for him to do this bad accent even, you view him not as being Dennis Hopper villain, but just being, oh, this is great commanding villain. Yeah, like, I agree with you 100%. Like, he's he's got a presence, like... I don't dislike his like I think like I actually I want to backtrack on something I said maybe like was it last week when I was sort of saying like if you rank like the top whatever villains of twenty four I, I undersold Dre's and I forgot actually how good he gets um, and like there's uh, I mean a scene in this one and there's a scene next week or the week after where like he's just got badass moments and I can't think of any villain that just has the ultimate dick badass moments like killing Lou Diamond Phillips just like mm. boom dead like cool you didn't I mean, you didn't have to do that and there's another one that he'll do by the end of this season he just kills someone like wow okay you didn't have to do that you're a dick um so yeah like i i apologize to the 24 fans who were probably abusing me in the last week or so when i said oh yeah he's maybe like in the top five like holy crap like he might be in the top two or three like because i forgot how menacing and great he is so mm-hmm. um yeah rest in peace dennis that was sad when dennis died um 
But maybe anything we'll, else maybe is... we'll recap his death one day. Yeah. <laughs> so he was uh, on his last breath. The cancer was taking hold of him. <laughs> Followed by the death of Patrick Swayze. Um, is he really as good as people say he is? <laughs> we find out from doctors. Um, is there anything else in CTU that I'm missing here? Uh, Terry calls Kim at the end. There's, uh, just, it's, there's oh, the I whole... Just... Mason, for whatever reason, keeps dredging up the soap opera of Nina's oh. life. Which is but just weird, but, but like it, fits Miss, it fits Mason. Like, yeah. if it wasn't Mason doing it, if it, well, I would say if it wasn't Mason, if Chloe did this, that's just a regular day with Chloe, right? Yeah. But Mason's the only other guy I could think of where it just fits him. Because for one thing, he's way overselling the relationship that she had with Jack. Like, they fooled around a couple times, and it was over a long time ago, and Nina has shown no signs of being attached to Jack or anything like that, but... You know, I was like, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't have fallen in love with a married man and then dragged Tony around. Like, why is he all of a sudden so so sorry for Tony? Like, well, Tony doesn't deserve this. Th- this isn't uh, Xander Berkeley acting. He's just pissed off that his real life wife could ever see yeah, something. Exactly. Like He's jealous because of Kiefer on the set. Like, you know, you like, had sex with sick. another man on the page in backstory alone. That's not right. We're Xander married. Berkeley. He's a very jealous man, Xander Berkeley. Like, <laughs> yeah. <he's> just. <laughs> but um. In all seriousness, though, like, like, yeah, I get it, but like, I like it. Like, I, I kind of just like feel it. Just it's the pressure that Mason's under because I just love that scene when he's like, "What did you say? Like, you're wasting the best years of your life on a married man." She's like, "George, you're out of line," and he's like, "No, you're out of line." <laughs> Snappy George. And, and also the best years of your life when they were what banging for a few weeks. Well, come on, Colin. If you were banging uh, Keith Sutherland for a couple of weeks, that's gonna be the most memorable <laughs> weeks of your life. I mean, come on, like. You know, just 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 take a step back, Colin. Take a step uh, back. Take a step back. Um, uh, yeah, Terry. Like, as I said, she's literally stuck in a room basically for the rest of this season. But like, I actually forget how like I I weirdly in a way like just feel sorry for her because like, literally every episode it's like Kim's free, but Jack's yeah. being kidnapped. <laughs> Next episode, Jack's free, but Kim's being kidnapped. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Like, I swear all Nina does in the next few episodes is just go give Terry bad news. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Sarah Clark, here's your pages for 24. You're going to get yelled at by Mason and tell uh, Leslie Hope bad news there. Oh, okay. But, like, you know, I- also subtle things. How great is the scene where the last time we saw Nina and Terry together, it was her saying, listen, I don't blame you. Jack's mm. a sexy man. <laughs> I would have, I would have, you know, <laughs> stolen another man's uh, husband as well. And then all of a sudden she blows up and says, like, well, maybe you shouldn't have stolen my husband. And all of a sudden they're back together. And Nina's like, she's taking her hand. She's like, Terry, I've got, I've got some devastating news, but I wanted to be the one to break it to you. <laughs> I'm pregnant too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guarantee you season two, if Terry stuck around, they would have had it as a storyline. Like, like that's wait, kind wait, of a cool storyline. baby too? <laughs> Probably. That's kind of like, have we ever had that in the show? Like someone gets separated, go off, have sex with someone, and they're both pregnant with the same man's baby. Ooh. <laughs> Days of our lives. This Thursday on the Oz Network. Um... <laughs> All right, let's get over Kim. Uh, oh, God. Kim's in Melanie's seat. Um, <laughs> they just like they just turn the wick up on Melanie this episode. I don't get it. It's like Melanie is abs- we've got a we've defended Melanie, but for some reason Melanie's a badass. Like you're in my seat. I said you're in my seat. <laughs> like, ooh, watch out, we're gonna mm-hmm. badass over here. Um, can I also just point out that um, Rick is officially the Daniel Craig 
uh, of yeah. this show. He just disappears. <laughs> I thought we had a final scene with Rick. I thought there was like something more with him, but nope, that scene when he was talking to Kim before she got taken away and interrogated. Thanks, Daniel Best, for being on 24. And they're even going out of their way to continue to bring him up as if they're going somewhere with it. No, no, no. Rick's not a loser, okay? <laughs> Rick's going to show you one day sometime way in the future that's going to be done in a novelization along with a, a subcommittee or something like, like that. He's going to show you he's not a loser. Yeah. <laughs> Rick and Todd, the spinoff. Rick and Todd. <laughs> Rick and Todd command. <laughs> Fo- <laughs> Foster kid command. <laughs> but like... This is what annoys, like, I say the writing of this annoys me on so many levels, but it's like, again, Melanie has done nothing wrong. So now all of a sudden, you've got to have her, like, being like, Rick's a loser, blah, blah, blah. Like, again, you're not even clarifying. Like, this is where you say, like, well, Rick's not actually my boyfriend. We slept together. Like, I was with Dan. But, like, you're still implying that, okay, we're meant to hate this girl because she's calling her own boyfriend a loser. Literally, he invited over a random girl to his house and defended her and basically made mm-hmm. out with her. But Rick is a loser. Like, I'm yeah, sorry, exactly. but Rick is a loser. Melanie's right here. Um, we get the drama of the um, other prisoners who somebody's smoking a joint and then they hide it with <laughs> Melanie and, you know, um, boo-hoo. Oh, but we've got to get the speech. Like, my opening line. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like Kim has some rubbish stuff in season two. She had some okay stuff in this season, but like, yeah, I like I remember this scene. Like, I remember this uh, plot, but like, I'm sorry, I'm not feeling sorry for Kim. Like, again, the whole Todd storyline and the way she's like, you know, all take all the things you've had in your entire life, and you wouldn't have half of what I've had in the 24 hours. This is a woman living in a shithole place somewhere in LA. She's probably been yeah. like grown up in poverty, drugs. She's literally around people who are having drug deals around her. Like, you know, like I've seen her in the OC. She lives in Chino. Like, I mean, that's not very, like little entitled rich girl Kim here. Like, I do not feel sorry for you. Okay. Yeah. You were kidnapped. That was pretty brutal. You had someone murdered in front of you. Brutal. You're mourning the loss of your dear friend, Janet, which is clearly cutting you up. Um, but like you face some shit. I get it. But like, if she was maybe like gang raped, uh, her legs chopped off, uh, mm-hmm. like injected with heroin. Like, I'm sorry. Exactly. If Janet had this speech. I would believe Janet. Yes. Kim. That's exactly. No. It, it's exactly <laughs> what I wrote in my notes. I'm like, okay, Kim, you, you've, you've had an ordeal here, but all the really bad stuff that's happened, happened to other people. You yeah. know what? I was kidnapped. And my friend had her arm broken and my friend was injected with heroin and my friend was run over with a car and my mother was raped. None of the bad. And my mother got amnesia. (laughs) Kim has actually had it easier than all the other characters this season. And what you said is completely right. Melanie, we're not being led to believe that she's this evil mastermind. She's along for the ride. She's mixed up with the wrong people at the same time, you know. Uh, We don't get that she's the one in charge of these drug deals, which means she's unwilling She's had a hard life. If even one bad thing has happened to Millie in her life, it's worse than what's happened to Kim in the last 24 hours. Is it a shock for what's happened to Kim? Yes. But when she's going through therapy, is it going to be, you were raped, you were drugged, you had your arm broken, you were run over by a car? No, it's other people. So come on, shut up, Kim. Like, (laughs) I'm back on board with Melanie again. Melanie's had a hard life. This is this is the Todd scene all over again. Like, oh, <laughs> I had a friend called Todd. Like, he got it together. <laughs> like, I just want <laughs> Melanie. Like, and the, one thing that also annoys me is that you go from badass Melanie to little wimpy Melanie. Like, ooh, I got owned by Kim. Like, I just want Melanie to stare at her and just slap her in the face. 
Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, in the South Park movie, when like Terrence and Philip go on Conan O'Brien and they start farting, and then Brooke Shields is there, and she's just like, "I farted on the set yeah. of Blue Lagoon." <laughs> stare at her, and they slap her in the face. Like, I'm not condoning violence against women, but this is a woman hitting another woman. Like, I just want Melody to be like, slap. You know, Brooke I, Shields. That, that- that reminds me of something, and uh, I I know for a fact my brother listens to this because he's a bigger Twenty Four fan than I am. Hi, he's Ian. already told me. He, I he told us already, got an, an email coming your way soon. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's already mentioned. There's another uh, uh, reference that I dropped uh, from our our past where, wh- as we were talking about something, he's like, "Oh, I remember this one time." And then the next thing I did was I told this story. But uh, he used to do that to me. That was one of his things. Where if you said something that he just didn't agree with or didn't like, he would stare at you and then slap you in the face. <laughs> so I'm, now that he mentioned that, he probably got it from Terrence and Philip. <laughs> I, I had a friend in high school, believe it or not, um, and we just used to quote the South Park movie back to front, and we would just literally just be dead silence, and one of us would just go, I once farted on the set of Blue Lagoon. <laughs> And my dad, my dad, like, of, like I think he saw it once, but the one quote that he will always say is you mentioned Brian Adams and he would just go like, yeah. no, no, we've apologised to Brian Adams on many occasions. <laughs> like he literally used to say to Mallory, he would turn around and go, oh, yes, it's all right, you've apologised for Brian Adams. And she would like look at him like, what are you talking about? It's like, I haven't seen the South Park movie. <laughs> Can I finish? Can I finish? Okay, I finished. <laughs> If you want to listen to me talk about the South Park movie, go to Mario Lanza's, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of his podcast, but it's great. I was on it. I was, <laughs> had a great time. Uh, just, just, just find a Mario Lanza. There's only one of them. Yeah, he's not that famous singer. Um, what's the name of his podcast that he does? Not the historians. The other one. Mario say, Lanza slaps people. I was going to say sequels suck, but that's our good friend Cable Brand. That's Cable. <laughs> anyway, I was on his show and we talked about South Park being a longer uncut. What a great movie. We need to do that on this show. That's, oh, love that. Um, yeah, so Kim, oh God, bring it on. Um, actually, what does make that line worse is like end it on bring it on. Not the yeah. here, outside, anywhere you like. Like, come on. Like, people bag out Kim in season three for when she gets into CT. I'm sorry. Like, it's believable and I don't mind Kim in season That's three. That's where I like Kim. Next season is worse Kim because, again, like, like I roll my eyes at this episode. Oh, Kim's kidnapped again. Like, literally happens every five minutes next season. So, mm-hmm. like, but the one thing I'll say. And it's like, not connected to the story the same way. Yeah, because I will say, jumping ahead slightly, when Kim does get kidnapped, like, it's annoying you roll your eyes, but, like, Kim being held hostage at the end of this season almost feels more weighted than it does at the beginning of this season. So mm-hmm. there's a, like, it, it you forget about it quickly, and I will say Kim towards at the end is actually not that bad because, I mean, she doesn't really have much to do. But, um, yeah, so she then stands up for Melanie. I, I want season, like, 10 when they do it, I want Kim back and I want this girl who's like, I'm going to get you, Blondie. Like, yeah. this is the revenge. This is this yeah. is her. Like, again, I talked about Desmond being in, like, season five and there's, like, a massive plot hole where you think he's going to come back and hunt after Jack Bauer and you never see him again. I want this girl back. Like, I want all these people like, I'm going to get you, Blondie. Like, that's season I'm gonna 10. I'm going to get you, Blondie. I'm going to get you, Blondie. Outside? <laughs> On the streets? Now, Kim's a badass, though. <laughs> Kim, Kim, jails change Kim. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's tough. She's 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 tough. But uh, like, I also love the fact that like we talked earlier this season, didn't we, about how net the LAPD were? Let's bring it back because like, literally, you have one woman, this cop, who's like, 
who's smoking weed? And then basically they like find it uh, with Melanie because she picks it up and hands it to the cop. And she's like, oh, you're clearly guilty. You're coming with me. Like, yeah. she picked it up. Like, if I pick she up n- rubbish on the, the sidewalk, am I going to jail because I littered? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you'd be able to smell it all over the person. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so if she says, no, it was her. All right, both of you come here. <laughs> all right, I know which one it is. You, Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> but then even, like, the fact that basically Kim's like, it wasn't her. It was her. So then the cop's like, okay. Like, yeah. why does well, it? Well, the white wasn't... blonde girl said it. Of course we're going to believe her. Well, that's a very valid point. But, like, why doesn't one of, like, short hair, angry girls' friends go, like, no, it wasn't. It was a blonde girl. All yeah. right, you come with me too. Like, All right, everybody, friends. take a scrap of paper. We're going to do a vote here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Tally the vote. The tribe this is, is democracy spoken. after all. We've seen democracy prevail once tonight. We will see it prevail again. And then the inept cops who basically like, Melanie's like, yeah, you know that cop? Tell him I'm ready to talk now. And then she's like, all right, come with me. Like, cause that cop's not doing anything clearly. He's just, yeah. you know, sitting around watching Nursing the a broken nose. Yeah. And then automatically she tells the cop and the cop wants cops sitting there going, oh, okay, it checks out. All right, yep, you're, you're free to go. Like calls up, see, like, I'm sorry, this cop it should be doing his job in the first place and calling CTU. Like yeah. if if you get arrested, you get one phone call, right? Well, at least TV and movies tell me you do. So Kim should get a phone call anyway. So why isn't this guy like doing his job and being like, okay, sure, I don't believe it. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Did it, did it, hello? Oh, Domino's Pizza, clearly bitch was lying, told you. Did <laughs> Like, come well, on. CTU is not like the FBI where everybody knows. It. It's, it's more of a, I'm not going to say it's off the books, but it's not like everybody knows what CTU is, you know? Yeah. So he calls up this number that Kim randomly, gave. he even says the number that you gave me. This could be, her dealer, yeah. who's just posing as Tony Almeida from CTU. Yeah. CTU stands for Cocaine uh, and Terrorism Unit or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> the Cocaine Trafficking Unit. like Yeah, Cocaine know, like, Trafficking Unit. There you go. Yeah. But, I mean, that's I mean, that's exactly it, too. It's like it's a double-edged sword. Like, either way, it doesn't work. Because, like, straight away, what does he ring up? Like, yes, as a police officer, we've got a secret code word for other law agencies. What is it? Banana. Oh, you're clearly a government <laughs> agency. I'll release her straight away. But then, like, this guy, like, well, I like this cop, but why all of a sudden is he Mr. Chummy? He's all like, yeah, yeah we're going to go there. Oh, and your mum's there too. I'm going to drive you there, my... He doesn't and drive what- her. Well, well, not forget about that. Why is CTU giving away all the details? Oh, okay, you know what? I'm going to take you to their secret facility that's already what? We know there's moles inside and, and people are trying to get in there, but we're going to give you the address. Okay. And uh, also, make sure to mention that the mom is here because a lot of terrorists are after her too, and we need to give away her location. Which, okay, there's a lot of plot holes here at the end because, like, again – why does Broken Nose Guy have to chaperone? Like, if he was driving the car and there was no other... Like, who's random cop 37 driving this car with chaperone driving her? Like, like why? I watched Third Watch. This doesn't happen. They only need one cop <laughs> to drive a prisoner somewhere. Um, we get the call at the end between the two of them. Oh, Mum, I'm going to see you. Oh! And then, oh, look what happened. Kim gets kidnapped again. Now, plot hole here. Like, all you need to do is show someone announcing this on a police radio. And then you can go, okay, terrorists are listening to the police radio. Makes sense. In what way? I mean, like, literally even CTU didn't know where Kim was. The other assassin didn't know where Kim was. I guess there is a way of explaining this when we get to the last episode that you can explain how they got that information. 
if there is or isn't a mole in CTU. Yeah. Which I guess would be the explanation. But, like, still, without knowing that, because, like, we haven't, we've sort of only implied there might be a mole, like, it's still kind of like, even if that is the case, how do they then know, how does, if there is a mole or not, they know the route that the LAPD are taking to see to you, well, there's only one way between here and there, so you've got to slam into them. Like, I get the dramatic nature of it all, like, kids going again, but, like, yeah, I'm, I'm nitpicking too much, aren't I? Uh, I, I was going to say, okay, yeah, I, I get where you're going with how this information could have gotten out, but the, that, the person who may or may not be a mole is not the one who took the phone call and they found out after the fact. So how would they know the route they were taking and all that? Like, I still say there's no way to explain this away unless the person who did take that phone call is at fault. And in which case, that's going to change my perception for all the other future seasons or whether or not they should even be doing their job. Well, you just spoiled it because we know who took the phone call, so we know they're not the mole. Thanks, Colin. <laughs> well, we also or said, well, they? Mason is me. <laughs> but I, I do want to uh, comment on the the Melanie thing again for a second. Uh, wh- what you're saying about Melanie, we mentioned, okay, well, she she has a reason to not like Kim. We also mentioned last week that she has a reason to not believe what Kim says. So what she told this cop should simply be, you know what? This crazy girl came in there and I think she's on something, to be honest, because she's telling us stories about being kidnapped and having a friend injected with heroin. So if her friend has heroin, then she must be involved in drugs anyways. But she thinks that her dad's a spy. This is what a person would tell because kim's been telling everybody this and a person would say yeah sure whatever blondie right yeah but melanie 100 believes her and that's what kind of ruins melanie's character because she does say oh well i told them this because you were trying to steal my boyfriend <laughs> but it should be what we said last week that melanie doesn't believe her nobody believes her that's what it should be and maybe when kim gives her big speech here it's like you know what maybe you what might want you might want to try that phone call because I know when somebody's lying, you know, I've been on the streets. I've had a hard life, not as hard as Kim, but I've had a hard life. Yeah. (laughs) And I can tell she's, she's onto something here. So maybe just try calling that phone number. It shouldn't be Melanie being jealous girlfriend here. And if she is, what you mentioned about Rick being a loser, he is a loser. The debate they have, Melanie wins this debate Yeah, because Kim's defense is no, he's not a loser. He didn't know what was going on. And I think Melanie even says, he kidnapped you. All this stuff happened and he didn't know what was going on. That makes him a loser. I'm like, yes, that does make him a loser. Who just goes along with this plot? We're going to kidnap a couple of teenage girls and we're going to get paid for it. If, if you're being told to kidnap teenage girls, you know that there's something bad going on. So if you're going along with well. it, you are a loser. If you are too dumb to realize what's going on, you are a loser. So yes, Rick, you're a real loser. <laughs> I'm told to kidnap teenage girls. I don't necessarily. You're not. You're not told to. You do it willingly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it, with that in mind, I, I'm going to watch the world is not enough very differently from now on because Alexa is actually right. Like, you know, yeah. Stockholm syndrome's fine. Like, it's you know, you yeah, can go exactly. to an evil. So, uh, re re edit the world is not enough. James Bond's a loser. Um, just you know, <laughs> um, yeah. And, and like, can we also just take a moment to realize that melanie is probably getting the shit beat out of her in this oh, prison yeah. cell now that her her bodyguard kim's gone <laughs> yeah <laughs> like melanie's gonna be all there alone I'm like why doesn't melanie get let up does kim then rescind like, like do the favor like why isn't melanie getting raised you're a bitch kim like yeah, exactly. you know 
the very least, can you just move Melanie to another cell where the other people don't know her? Well, Kim just needs to turn around and say, like, well, Melanie actually wasn't involved either. Okay, bye, bye, Melanie. Like, yeah. maybe she does. Maybe there was a deleted scene or maybe it was written in there, but they just didn't film it. Like, and you know, oh, you know, I never, I never thought about that. She has spent this entire second half of the season trying to say, Rick, this guy who kidnapped me and did all this terrible stuff is responsible for Janet's death. You know what? He didn't do anything wrong. I'm going to stand up for him. You didn't stand up for Melanie. <laughs> we didn't stand Melanie up for Rick see- either. I don't think she's. St- we don't see her standing up for Rick unless it's with yeah, Nina. Yeah, exactly. She's saying, Selfish you know Kim. <laughs> she's Rick and now. Melanie, uh, she's calling in a favor to Tony. You, can I borrow your phone? She, well, she calls. St- we, we, we completely missed the fact that she has her final conversation with Terry Bauer here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> loving mother. But yeah. uh, oh, shouldn't she be like, listen, I want you to. Uh, I, well, I think we already mentioned this for the last time they're seen together but uh but uh why does she say listen mom can you just pass a message along to tony or whoever is in charge there please pull some strings and get rick and melanie just move to another facility put in a good word for them something what a selfish oh bring it on kim this is this is where we do need a redux of season one because you think about all these people who deserve to have like like phil's in the clinic just being abandoned by terry like poor phil (laughs) just there you know, we've All got the Melanie. carnage just left along the side of the road by the Bauer family. What about Janet's family? Like, think about that. Yeah, like, the real family. Like, Janet's dead. The dad's, Alan York's dead. Like, where's Mrs. York? Were they married? Were they divorced? Mm-hmm. Like, was she, Mother's like, sisters? out? Exactly. Like, I want the following takes place on the day of Janet York's funeral. I'm like, <laughs> they're, they're mourning poor old Janet. And, like, the fam, like, again, it's a double, it's a double tragedy. Like, it's not a double blowout, it's a double tragedy. I've never <laughs> seen one of those before. Like, so you're kind of right. Like, the, the, the shards of damage left yeah. by the Bauer family. The poor waitress who got kidnapped earlier on. Yeah. Um, bitch woman dropping off Terry to go see <laughs> Phil like she's waiting for a 50 bucks on the phone call. Like, I mean, there's a whole angry mob coming after the Bowers. Like, you know, <laughs> Jesus Christ, the Bowers are selfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, very self. Jack's not too. Oh, selfish. except for Jack. Yeah, Jack's not. Jack, what a man. Oh, and you know um, what? When we when we get to Grandpa eventually, I mean, I'll defend him. <laughs> what about Brother Bauer? Brother, oh, brother, brother Bauer, brother Bauer, and and Grandpa Bauer. Well, they're the real heart and soul of the family. When I say soon to be on the show, maybe he's already been on the show before this episode maybe. aired. But um, anyway, uh, Palmer drama. So um, <laughs> he's won eleven out of eleven. Which very I love, quickly. I love how they're automatically like that means you're going to the White House again. Like the Democratic Party still have to like confirm yeah. it. Like what you need to see here is that like his rival because like when Biden and Bernie Sanders were going against each other, it took to a certain point and then Bernie Sanders is like okay I can't win anymore I'm going to step aside. Like I remember that with Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama back in 2007 <laughs> 2008. Like it was that's how it worked. So like I think you need to make this realistic is you need to see that I don't know Jack Smiggins his rival <laughs> is basically like you know like Mike comes in here 11 from 11 my friend and Jack Smiggins is conceded you're officially the democratic nomination. Woohoo! Like that's what we need here. Um well there's two problems with this. I mean the first is like you mentioned he doesn't have the nomination yet. I mean, you could say, okay, this is them. Um, when, they, when they do the press conference later on and they say, you're next president, that is just what they do, right? That they're, yeah. they're pumping up the crowd. Hey, yeah. we're, we're, we're going to get there, people. But it's all the people around him saying, listen, when we move into the White House, I'm claiming bedroom number 13. Yeah. Uh, 
forget about whether or not they even get the nomination still. There's still an election after that. Like, I guarantee Hillary Clinton's people say, listen, we're going against Donald Trump, okay? Yeah. We're moving into the White House again. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm reclaiming my, my, my parlor. I'm, <laughs> and I'm look, telling you. Stuff happens. <laughs> I, I'm telling like, yeah, they do. But, like, I'm, I'm also telling you now here, you know, Americans, cocky bit up there. But I'm telling you now, David Palmer, racist. He's automatically thinking, <laughs> I'm black, I'm going to get in. Like, I'm, I'm against a white guy. I'm going to win. Like, clearly, come on now, racist. Look, people are trying to kill me and it's not even because I'm black. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not even because I'm black. <laughs> it's not funny. But I love you too. Like, I, I, don't, I personally don't know the reputation of Fox News in 2002. I get it. This is a Fox <laughs> show, so, like, they're going to say Fox. But when they come up and say the Fox instant poll has you at 83% approval, I'm sorry, yeah. Fox News are not approving 83% of a Democratic black candidate for president. No, they're yeah. not. <laughs> well, even still, it's just funny. It's like Fox News is projecting you win. They're like, yes, we got it. This is what we're watching. Forget about whether Fox News is going to do those results. You're telling me that the Democratic nominee is going to be getting all of his news from Fox News. The the, the network that Donald Trump would call up at like two in the morning on the toilet to say, I love yeah. you guys. Um, again, but this is what I'm saying. Like, A, it's Fox. You understand it. But B, like maybe the reputation of Fox News in 2002 isn't like it is today. I mean, that's 20 years ago. So like, I mean... Yeah. Maybe they weren't as like right wing leaning. Well, that, that is true because I think I, I remember hearing about Fox News around this time period, and, and and it was a big deal. Like people were enjoying it because it was kind of crazy and off the wall. But yeah, I don't think it was it was quite the you know slanted view that we get now. But and still, it's, it's, it's just weird. Like it's weird you're watching Fox and it's like watch Fox News over on Channel Number. But it's also like when you see them watching TV, you like sometimes you'll see Fox News, but then you see like that CNB because they don't get CNN. So it's yeah. kind of, you know, I just want Mike to be like, Fox News is saying 80%, but CNN's only saying 12%. Ah, screw those guys at <laughs> CNN. Um, so basically, can I just say, I, I would love to rewatch this episode and count how many glasses of champagne David Palmer has. He should be very drunk. I swear he has about like six or seven glasses. He's got a glass in his hand every scene and it's always empty and he gets another one. So he, um, he should be waking up the next morning having done terrible things to Patty Brooks and being like, <laughs> oh, it was the champagne. Uh, do you like Palmer's speech here of like, and I've got one final order and you will obey at all costs. Have a pleasant <laughs> evening. Oh, what a nice man. <laughs> Merry Give Christmas to all and to all a good night. <laughs> Give him a hug. Uh, <laughs> But then we get this plot line of the, we have to make Sherry super evil, yeah. uh, which we don't even know. Like, this is this is my one, like, the one storyline which you could probably be like, okay, Sherry's evil because she's trying to get Patty to have an affair with David. But, like, it's kind of just, like, I feel like the writers are probably at this point kind of like, okay, well, we've got Sherry's evil. But there's probably, we're in the room. Is she, though? Is yeah. she? Exactly. Okay, you're right. Okay, she destroyed the tape. Not that evil. Okay, um, she uh, doesn't. She goes off at Keith and says it's his fault. She's evil. Is she though? <laughs> Is she? Keith kind of did do this. Yeah. Okay, you're right. You're right. Shit. <laughs> Sherry's not really evil. What can we do? I know. Yes, Jenkins. <laughs> she wants Patty to have an affair with David. Brilliant. Evil women who want other women to have affairs with their husbands are evil. <laughs> Write it in. Even I can weirdly, can I can I also weirdly defend this? Because, like, it's not like, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead an episode here. Maybe I am. But, like, I think I am. This is next week. But there's a whole point where, like, Sherry's orchestrating this. 
And then it's kind of like she has that line when, like, Patty's like, you're okay with this. And Sherry's like, no, I didn't say I was okay with it. Like, Sherry's reasons for doing it are kind of, like... I don't know. Like, I, why am I defending Sherry for having it's, another woman go on a husband? Like, it's it's evil, but it's kind of like smart evil. Well, yeah, I, uh, it's it's going to sound really hard. It's just defending sick. this. Sorry to interrupt, but it's it's sick. But even then, is it like? Let's be honest. I'm sure if if we were on uh, the Sally Jesse Raphael show or something like that in <laughs> in 2002, and it's a uh, you know women who expose their husbands cheating. A lot of those women have suspicions on stuff. And then what they do is they're like, you know, I'm going to see how this plays out. I'm going to have somebody tail him. You know, he's going to take a phone call and he's like, you know what? I really got to go out right now. I, I, I have an important business meeting. And she's like, oh, a business meeting. Okay. I heard your office. female assistant <laughs> uh, at the business office. Yeah, uh, I heard your attractive sounding female assistant on the phone there, you know, whispering. Okay. So go to your business meeting. Hey, he's on his way to the business meeting. You are allowing your husband to entertain entrapment. something, in, entrapment in a certain way. And Actually, I'm not it's called anything. blackmail. <laughs> 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 but like, I'm not, I'm not saying anything against. It. Okay, if somebody's cheating, they're cheating. But what she's doing is, you could look at this and say, you know, I have suspicions that David's not going to be faithful to me. Let me see how faithful he's going to be. I almost have a little bit of sympathy for her, but. For me, the problem with this story is that they should have had a scene. You want to make Sherry evil, have her expose her intentions at the end of the last episode or at the beginning of this episode. But instead, we get Patty being all flirty and David being all flirty back before he suspects anything. Yeah. And it makes David look really bad. And you start to feel for Sherry when you probably shouldn't because this is sort of her all her play. But my memory of this was that it was you knew Sherry was doing this from the beginning because it is kind of a smart political move. They're obviously playing on the Clintons. I'm not claiming this is, you know, Hillary Clinton set Bill up with, I have a great intern for you. Her name's Monica. I'm not saying that. But but the idea of, okay, can a marriage survive this? And would you be forced to stay with somebody? Because that's that was the ideal. And we mentioned before, the idea the whole time is, oh, Hillary stayed with him because, you know, you're going to lose political power. You can't get divorced if you're the president. That's why she stayed with him. I know what they're going with with this. This is 2002. It's still very topical. But if you had Sherry hatching her dastardly plan and then you you reveal this, it's a lot different than if you do it subtly by the end of this episode and then a little bit more clear into the next episode. That's a, that's a great point. It really is. And that's And that's the problem with painting Sherry is to be such an evil character. Like it's like we've basically taken everything that Sherry has done and explained it as not real. I mean, this is the most evil thing she does if you want to be technical, but even then, like you explained that very well. It's like, it's, I mean, it is a type of entrapment because it's like, it's, it's that, it's that fine. Like you're right. Like if you, if you set Jamie up to cheat, if you like, are like, Hey, Keanu Reeves, would you like to come over today shirtless and wait in my bed? Uh, sure, yeah. Colin. Okay, I'll be out for an hour. And then you, like, set up a hidden camera and you come home. Jamie, you cheated on me. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, it's like it's like the whole thing when the cops, like, you know, pretend to be like a little girl online and then, like, oh, meet me at the car park. Like, aha, you're a pedophile, you're going to rape a girl. And it's like, well, then- no, you're a cop. Like, it's, I mean, it's... it's you are proving that they're a pedophile, but then at the same time, it's like, well, you're entrapping them to do it. Like, Yeah, it, it, what it would do is it would basically set them both up to be bad because yeah. 
sure she's entrapping him, but if he goes along with it, I mean, I'm pretty sure his vows didn't say till death, death do us part unless my wife, you know, suddenly sets me up in David's mind. He's, if this isn't Sherry saying, listen, Patty's pretty attractive, huh? You know, you want to have a go with that? I mean, she's not saying that. In David's mind, what's that cheating. <laughs> but, but from David's perspective, he's like, oh, Patty's quite attractive. She's quite flirty. You know, I'm not, I'm not on the best terms with Sherry. I'll have a go with that. I want to say this say now. Patty's attractive, huh? Look at her. She's got a pretty tight ass, doesn't she? I'd tap that. This reminds me of that that scene in um I know you don't really like Friends but there's a the scene when Monica is like got all the um the candy and like she leaves it out for the neighbors and then that guy knocks on the door at like three a.m. and then he's like you live in the building mm, I think I'd remember you and then Chandler's like mm, bye Greg and then just like kicks him out it's just mm, I'd tap that. <laughs> No memory of it whatsoever. <laughs> but like, but like at the end of the day, you're right. Like, I mean, where's looking this? Like, Palmer is Mister, you know, his integrity. He's like, we've just we've gone over this. Like, he's yeah. a bad politician, but he's had that amazing speech, and yeah, Team David. Like, he's the heart and soul of the show, as we said from the book. You're implying now that like he's getting a massage, and you're like, oh, this is a bit creepy. And then he's like, stop. And then we're gonna get the next episode. Are you flirting with me, Patty? Like, it's kind of you know like you kind of are just like led to believe that Palmer's into this. So like you're questioning yeah. this and then like, okay, we're going to get the, yeah, David, fuck you, Sherry moment. Like, but even then, like make it so, because like it, at some point you're watching this thinking David's sleazy, David's whatever. Yeah. He is if, a bit he flirty. Had, if he had from the beginning been like, did Sherry put you up to this? Even if he says, if she's off the room and you get one of those soap opera things where they just talk about, I think Sherry may be setting this up. Maybe I should just play along with it. That, that's one thing. But he is legitimately into this more than a married guy should be. I mean, I, being completely honest here, I mean, if if some some very attractive woman is coming and giving me a massage, I mean, I'm probably going to be like, you know what? Uh, I'm married. It would be different if I wasn't married. But, like, he is entertaining this way too much for a guy and, who is still trying to be loyal to his wife. At the end of the day, he doesn't stick his dick in her. Let's spoil it. Yeah. But, like... Even if, like, Sherry at gunpoint is like, you put your dick in her, she's got a nice ass, she's hot, do it. If he puts his dick in her, he's still cheating. There you go. Just yeah. I'm putting it out there, all right? Uh, Colin, I can show you a video of that later if you are understand. Please no, sure please no. Uh, so, yeah, Patty massages, um, Palmer kicks her out. Uh, there's a, I like the little scene when, like, Mike's talking to Palmer about, you know, like, what is he like? You've had a front row seat, Sherry and I, you know, it's not very good. And what does Mike say? Something along the lines of like, if your marriage helps you, great. If not, great. Like, um, I have questions about that scene. I, I like it. Like, I don't know. I just kind of like Mike sort of being Mike, like be like Mike. <laughs> um, I, I don't remember if, if Mike has any knowledge, like when we get later in the season, but I was reading that because it was back to back with the Patty scene. Is like, is Mike saying, "Hey, you know, I noticed you checking out Patty over there." <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's just See, it was weird. Patty, this is pretty hot, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to have a go at her? Uh, but uh, that scene should have been done beforehand uh, because it almost makes it play like Mike's in on this plan. Like, that's a very or good point. Actually, previous episode. Yeah, actually, that's like, yeah, put that at the beginning of the Yeah, no, you're right. Like, God, you're on the ball today, Colin. Like, um, Thank you. <laughs> I, I agree with you. Uh, see that see that Colin over there? Wouldn't you like a piece yeah. of that? Yeah. 
Um, no, that's a very good point because you kind of do. Or, but, but I mean, maybe that's the point, right? Because like, this yeah, is all going to lead up. Going with everything at this point. I will admit, like, when we get the resolution of this in, like, two episodes' time, it's kind of a bit of a plot twist and, like, I remember watching mm-hmm. it not expecting it. So, like, it is the point. You are meant to believe that Palmer is willing to cheat here. Um, yeah. Spoiler alert, he's not going to. But And, like, the way it's kind of, like, I remember watching that scene going, oh, okay, I was not expecting that. So, like, I will give them props for that and clearly that's what they're doing. In hindsight, when you know what happens... Um, yeah, and then you know what happens with Sherry in later seasons and how she's painted out. Like, you see these, you know, top 10 villains of 24 and Sherry's always mm-hmm. on it. Like, she's not that evil. Yeah, um, exactly. But uh, anyway. Also, can I just point out, Palmer is, like, constantly in this party and then he always leaves. And then he's like, we better get back to the party. The next minute, yeah, I want to go. No, I'll leave it. And what is it with this party? Again, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of an episode here, but, like, this party, all they're playing is like brass band music of like celebrate good times and we are family. Um, and I think they play like, uh, I'm so excited. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they don't have many, uh, a, a big repetition. Actually, that's in the next episode because there's a, there's a mistake. I want you to remember um, Sherry's hair at the end of this episode because at the beginning okay. of the next episode, it's way done up too much and looks completely different that she did that in less than five minutes. I'm not a woman, <laughs> but I know that women take longer than five minutes to do their hair that good. So anyway. Yeah. Unless there's some secret and women, like it, it takes us all only five minutes and we just <laughs> spend the rest of the time, I don't know, on Instagram. Well, that was like my biggest gripe I remember on our third watch coverage now. Download download now. Like between season four and season five, like season five literally picks up like five minutes after the end of season four and Michael Beach's character Doc goes from having like standard head of hair to a shaved head. Um, and it's like, well, that makes sense. Did he just duck into the bathroom and shave his head? Because he could. You know, it's, it's, uh, you're not going to get this, you know, watching movies, but, uh, the main villain of the Karate Kid films and Cobra Kai TV show, uh, is the, um, I was going to call him a coach. What would you call him? The, 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 the sensei of the, the Cobra Kai, you know, villain squad. And Karate Kid 1 ends, uh, at the end of a tournament and Karate Kid 2 starts after they've showered and are going into the parking lot. And the sensei, Crease, has gone from having dark hair to the beginning of Karate Kid 2 having blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And like, so in his grief, he decided to dye his hair on <laughs> the shower. And is that when the song, you're the best, the best, nothing's gonna stop the power can't pronounce. <laughs> is, that, is that where that comes in? That's what, that, that's what motivated me. You're the blonde, the blonde. <laughs> See, Patty, over there, wouldn't you want to tap that? <laughs> Um, and poor Patty, like, why is Patty just being used as, like, some sexual object? She's a woman. She's a woman, a professional. She writes speeches yeah, you know, with David Palmer. This, this doesn't age well. I mean, you have a, a female speechwriter, you know, I'm sure this is a big deal in 2002. Maybe it would even be a big deal now. And what's her job? You're supposed to seduce the future president. Uh, I mean, we are, what, three years removed from Monica Lewinsky, so I bet they're all topical here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ooh. Um, all right, so uh, let's get into the meat and the potato. I keep saying meat and potatoes. Why? I, like, I'm that bad on the so keto that I can't yeah. eat the meat and potatoes. <laughs> I want potatoes. Um, so the power's gone out in this facility that nobody knows about that CTU has schematics for. Uh, <laughs> rate, rated four and a half on Trivago. Um <laughs> Jack calls out base and we've gone through this. Lou Diamond Phillips is, you, you know, like, oh, what is that? Like, we're going to get back up here. Like, they're not going to be, backup commands are going to be 20 minutes. We don't have 20 minutes. We need backup command now. Um, the action stuff is great. Like when the, the big explosion comes through uh, the wall, 
Um, and I, I love poor old Lou Diamond Phillips here. He's trying to find his men. He's like, Jenkins, where's Jenkins? Why are you answering me, Jenkins? Jenkins, my man. Oh, my man. <laughs> Hello, this is Jack Smiggins. Not you, Jack. Where's, where's, where's Jenkins? What a man, Jack Smiggins. Can I just say, like, all the like these people who are about to die. So poor random, like, janitor who is wearing the clothes of these people. Like, how are you going to explain that to Mrs. Janitor? Like, yeah. yes, hello, Mrs. Janitor. This is uh, the, the boss of the hidden facility in, in Washington. Your <laughs> husband is dead. Oh, why is he dead? He's never shot a gun in his life. Well, he was given a gun and told to, like, again, Jack, okay, here's Jack Bauer leaving people in his wake. There you go. Like, that's Jack's fault. I want the the end of that conversation was like, you know, he actually works uh, for CTU and we have a secret facility. He was guarding, uh, you know, future Osama bin Laden-like terrorist in an underground bunker. And it's, oh, this is the worst thing. I'm like, hey, you think you got it bad? There's a blonde girl <laughs> who's been kidnapped and had worse stuff happen. She's in jail right now. <laughs> if you want to know more, bring it on. She'll take you anywhere here, there, outside. And she knows Todd, you know, Todd from Foster But, but you, you want some hope for your life. There's a foster kid named Todd. <laughs> Can we just redo 24 as a comedy series? That was a laugh track. <laughs> Could I be anymore, Jack Bauer? Um, You just got to start pulling clips of Noah laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Noah doesn't laugh. He's Hungarian. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, the action of this episode is great. Like, the tension, like, you know, when they sort of the wall gets blown in and then kind of they're going around with the the lights. And just the the moment, like, I love, like... I joked about Kiefer the other week, like, you know, getting electrocuted or whatever it was, like how hilarious. Like when you've got like Jack Bauer full on like hostage situation, yelling and screaming, like this whole moment when Andre's like got the gun to Lou Diamond Phillips and Jack's just like, put it down, I'll shoot him. Bauer, put it down, put it down, I'll shoot him. Like just yelling and just the look on Kiefer's face. Like you kind of go from this full on anger to like absolute panic and like, oh fuck, I'm screwed. And then just like, this actually isn't even a Victor Drazen kill, is it? It's an Andre Drazen kill that he just shoots him, bang, is it? Um, and just Jack's reaction when he's like, no! Um, and then you just see the panic on his face when he's got his hands on his head. Like, this is why I love this episode. Just, like, it goes from, like, zero to 105 seconds. You've got the Drazen's reunited, and you think, like, poor old Jack's got no hope. Then Jack, for this entire episode, is just basically kidnapped. Um... The dialogue between him and Drazen is fantastic. Just kind of like, you know, explain like, you're a monster. Like, you don't know that I'm a monster. You're a monster, Jack Bauer. Um, yeah. That's well, you, ha- you have to slip into your American accent every third oh, word. Bauer. <laughs> I like hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> an Australian tries to do an American doing a Serbian accent. I think I'm about to have a brain aneurysm. Um, I love, I love when Jack like wakes up and turns evil and starts bashing up Victor and then Andre just beats the living shit out of Jack for five minutes. Ah! Like I want Jack Jack screaming like he was last week when he was getting tasered. Um, poor old, rest in peace, Lou Diamond Phillips. Like it's a bit of a cruel death, but like, I mean, you know. But uh, basically then they escape. Um, I love the fact that they had the time to rig up like a booby trap. I love the way these CTU agents come in. They're like... It's a booby trap. Like, is that what they call it officially in the government? Booby trap? <laughs> like, wouldn't they say, like, oh, it's been rigged to blow with exploit? Like, do they literally yeah. use a term? Is that a government term? Okay, he's not anymore. Se- it's he- not oh, yeah, HR Texas. approved to say booby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> booby. It's a dinky trap. 
Booby is a funny word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ask Jamie what they are, Colin. She might show them to you one time. Um, but so they they get out and they've gone through a sewer and oh, it's going to take twenty minutes to disable the the booby trap. Um, <laughs> And then, like, again, like, the, the tension here of um, Jack in the field. He's about to get shot. Um, and I always remember this scene. Like, I'm pretty sure this was... Um, I don't know if you you had the DVD and, like, kind of... You know how, like, DVDs used to have, like, a 60-second loop of, of a menu? Yeah. And they would have, like, scenes from the, the, the thing. I'm pretty sure, like, this bit where he's like, do you want to see your brother Alexis? He's alive. Like, I think they would always show that, like, on the, on the DVD. So, like, it's... Funny that I've watched those DVDs so many times that I remember them. But, oh, no, they can't kill Jack because Alexi's alive, so they're going to drive off in their red vans, which I swear they're the same vans from Twister. Um, so, <laughs> don't fold the maps. Alexis, um, we got to go. We got cows. <laughs> <laughs> he did not marry you for your penis. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I love that movie. Can we watch that movie again? That's how I like Jerry Seinfeld again. Yeah. <laughs> It was, you know, okay, you know how much I know Twister. I was, um, I went to the kitchen the other day and dad was like falling asleep on the couch and I heard like, I heard this theme and I heard like the end of the movie. Within two seconds, I'm like, Twister's on! And like, because the credits were on. Because it said, and I'm like, oh my God, Twister's on! Like, I just, I missed it. Yeah, I know. I was sad. Every time Twister ends, I get sad. I oh. just rewatched that. It's so good. Oh, God. That was, that was the second movie we ever did on the show, wasn't it? Yeah. And we Bill interviewed Paxton's the museum. Oh. We did. Colin, People, check I, out the Twister Museum. They got some I, great stuff. When I move back to your neck of the woods, um, we're we doing a road trip. We're going to Flin Flon and yes. we're going to uh, Wakita. <laughs> I, I need to see that. Um, so... Yes, that's kind of it for Jack. But, like, I mean, the Jack stuff saves this episode. Like, seriously, in isolation, I probably should have done the Jack stuff first to get more. Like, but having said that, no, like, I probably undersold the, the Jack stuff. I've undersold it because I feel like I haven't really talked it up as much. But, like, I mean, it's tense. It's action field. Like, Kiva Sutherland is just on point here. <laughs> Dennis Hopper's on point here. Zayko Ivac's on, on point here. Like, everyone's on point here. Like, so good. Um, and, again, like, this, this probably is a solid bin if you do not have this Jack storyline in it, but like the Jack stuff's so good. And again, this is where I'm all like, holy crap. Like I want to watch next week because I'm not watching next week to see Palmer get his dick wet. I I mean, okay. Kim's been kidnapped again. Well, what's new? Terry's going to get told the same news five times next week. Um, but like Jack stuff, like, holy crap, like what's happening with Jack. So, um, this is probably the worst episode out of the final four, as I said, but like, I don't know, like the Jack stuff to me is just, it's so good. It's just, it's such a small chunk of the episode too. Uh, I mean, we get some good action scenes in here, but I swear Kim has more screen time than Jack does in this episode, which is part of the problem. Uh, David may be even with him. Uh, but yeah, the action stuff is great. I mean, this is why they got Stephen Hopkins too. Uh, did, I don't know uh, if I've asked you this before. Did you ever see the, probably one of the bigger movies Stephen Hopkins had made prior to this, Blown Away with Tommy Lee Jones and Jeff Bridges? I was about to say, that's not the one where um, Tom Hanks is on an island and my friend's uh, Wilson, isn't it? <laughs> No, uh, no. Blown Away was a, a movie about the bomb squad. Uh, it was uh, a big, it's one of these forgotten movies, but when it came out, it was like huge, like one of the highest grossing films of the year and everything. Uh, but Tommy Lee Jones plays a bomber and it, this just, it, 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 with all the underground stuff and explosions and bombs being rigged, it just reminded me a lot of Blown Away. Uh, I mean, Stephen Hopkins himself is probably checked out at this point of Kim's storyline and Terry's <laughs> storyline, but he's here for this. And that's why they got a real cinematic director who had made several 
you know, $100 million grossing films because they needed somebody to pull this off. And you couldn't find this in 2001, 2002 television directing. Nobody had had the budget uh, and they probably don't have the budget 24 either. They just, we need somebody who can pull this off on a low budget. Uh, and it's done so well. Like I can't knock any of the action in this entire season, even though it is the first and probably the low, lowest budget one. Uh, I do have to question a little bit why Jack, who everything is about this mission and even his family, why he seems like he's willing to sacrifice everything for Lou Diamond Phillips here. Like he's <laughs> a little too attached to Lou Diamond Phillips for a guy that he met at Aww. this point an hour and 15 minutes ago. Wouldn't you and be? I mean, he's Lou Diamond Phillips, so yes. <laughs> and as I mentioned last week, I, 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 at one point when when this show was on the air after this first season had ended, I remembered as like, yeah, Kiefer Sutherland and Lou Diamond Phillips in 24, <laughs> even though he's like two episodes. But I mean, he's but not I a like good presence. Jack shouldn't be attached to him. Jack's attached to nobody other than his family. <laughs> Jack's attached to nobody. Um, <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, like, I mean, this is the only season where Jack really is attached to anybody. <laughs> I mean, all fairness. Mm. Um, spoiler alert. But um, I just wanted to chime in, sorry to interrupt, but it's like, I really appreciate them killing Lou Diamond. Like, not, that sounds bad, but like, it's kind of like... Uh, it's when the we shocker you needed. Yeah, like, it's like you get a big guest star, you're going to assume they're going to be in it for a while. But like, I like it when a TV show or a movie's not afraid to do that. Was it... Um, one of the under sieges, or what was that movie where Steven Seagal basically gets killed in the opening scene? Um, is that executive decision? What's the one? He's like in the oh, plane executive decision, yeah, with executive Kurt decision. Um, it's yeah, like he's killed like in the first twenty minutes or something. Mission Impossible. I mean, the west of it. He's yeah, not even credited, really but he gets killed in like five seconds. Um, <laughs> and I mean, Godzilla. I mean, Brian Cranston. I mean, different. He's in it for a bit longer, but like. I, I like it when they're not afraid to do that. Um, yeah. I think there's like a Watch Mojo top 10 of something like that. You know, big name actors that you are not in the movie for as long as you think they are. Um, but yeah, like I, and particularly at this era in television, when again, we've talked up about how Kiefer Sutherland being in the show is a big deal. Lou Diamond Phillips was still a, a household name enough back in 2001, 2002. Dennis Hopper, you know. Um, you know, now it's not going to have the same shock value if Blue Diamond Phillips gets killed in two episodes because he's he's on Blue Bloods now. So, I mean, you know, he's lost his appeal in 20 years. But uh, in 2002, it meant something. <laughs> well, also, what it does for Zelshko Ivanek's character, because, you know, I came into this as Zelshko Ivanek fan because, like I said, he had, uh, you know, been great in the movie School Ties with Brendan Fraser. But uh, re-watching this, he really just spends a lot of time appearing for about 30 seconds in every episode on the phone. And we haven't seen him be the, a big villain yet. And really he should be, because we've seen Alexis as a big villain. You know, we've already, Dennis Hopper takes no time at all to realize he's a big villain. Andre needs to be the most ruthless one. So for him to be like, okay, I won't kill him. And then just shoot him, just point blank. I mean, it, that's such a great moment for him. And there's, there's like, in all fairness, like I'll say that, he goes from being, I, like, I, I can see him kind of just being like the stern sort of figure, like keeping the family together and that sort of stuff. Um, and then kind of once you know his dad's alive, he comes a bit more vulnerable. Like we saw that last week when he just wanted to storm the facility. He's desperate, if anything. Mm-hmm. And um, he has like a, a scene or two to come in the rest of this season where like he's really good. Like he's got that vulnerableness about him where kind of he's gone from being the figurehead of the Drazens to kind of being the one who's like, you know, the organizer, but keeping it all together. So um, yeah, but anything else on Jack that you want to add? Yeah. Uh, just uh, their escape is quite funny because again, CTU finds the booby traps. The booby traps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to take us an hour to get past these. But it is five minutes later when the Drazen squad with Jack walks out of a storm drain. Mm-hmm. They're on foot. So yep. CTU entered this facility and within five minutes of an open field, 
wide open field, should they not have seen the half a dozen SUVs that are parked with the lights on five minutes away in, a, in front of a storm drain? Uh, excuse me, Jenkins. Uh, <laughs> I noticed something over there. There's a bunch of car lights by a storm drain. No, no, that's just probably just storm drain command. It's okay. Don't, don't even worry about it. <laughs> CTU's useless here. Like, this should be the easiest capture of their career. I mean, well, oh, we're going to have to get past these booby traps. Well, what about those vehicles we saw by the storm drain? It's just storm drain command. Just, just drop it, Jenkins. There, there is, if there's one weakness, I mean, there's a few weaknesses to this season, but yeah, definitely one that is like really noticeable is like you do have future seasons where Jack will have like, there'll be more of a an ad- adequate CTU agent. But like, mm-hmm. I think overall, like, you know, we've talked a bit on 007 about how like, particularly say like Pierce Bros and all that, certain, a lot of the time with some James Bond stuff, like James Bond's almost been made out to be like a superhero. He's indestructible. Whereas like yeah. I, like as much as Jack Bauer's a badass and I fucking love Jack Bauer, there are definitely times where it's kind of like Jack Bauer's made out to just be indestructible and a badass. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's around when Chuck Norris facts became a thing, Jack <laughs> Bauer facts became a thing. And I got more into the Jack Bauer facts because they would make fun of Chuck Norris. So I used to love the Jack Bauer facts. And maybe we'll get to like season two or three when I think they started to become a thing. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, uh, CTU is kind of inept. Um, the book, the official guide, the only interesting thing I found this week was basically uh, casting director Debbie Manwiller and Peggy Kennedy talking about uh, getting Dennis Hopper and that they wanted to try and get a, a big name-ish guest and they kind of had this idea for this character sort of throughout the season, uh, which is interesting because obviously we talked about how, like, you know, did they sort of know where they were going with this? Um, and they sort of, Dennis's name came up and they basically had to sell it to him without really having much on the show and basically they didn't even have a script for him. Uh, so basically Dennis Hopper went on a, on a hunch and he did it and, uh, yeah, so... That's about uh, it for this week. I, I just happened to be on um, the the IMDb page for Stephen Hopkins here uh, when I was looking up stuff. I'm blown away, and uh, interesting trivia I didn't even realize here. But like, or I was saying they wanted to get a cinematic director. Uh, they originally had a different cinematic director before Stephen Hopkins came in. They had this guy named James Foley, who had directed uh, a bunch of Madonna videos. Like, like his filmography was primarily Madonna videos. Which plus ones? The, <laughs> uh, it doesn't say it's just uh i papa don't preach is one here oh. uh i guess a concert uh he was madonna's go-to guy because he also did the movie who's that girl uh, but he later he later went on to the movie glengarry glenn ross and fear with uh mark Wahlberg, the chamber the john grisham movie uh, obviously stephen hopkins was more action based than him but uh, other interesting trivia here i just found on stephen hopkins stephen hopkins has dated naomi watts heather graham and mia kirshner Stephen Hopkins is a legend. Uh, <laughs> that's a good trio of women right there. What a man. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, do I have any interesting trivia outside of the book? Um, I didn't really look uh, of the book, of the cook. I don't know what I'm saying. Take a look in a uh, book. The quick flashes during the previously on segment show two yet-to-air clips from this episode. Jack before being hauled into a van and Kim and the cruiser being handed the telephone. Ooh. Um, oh, yeah, this is I, I noticed this on the credits that uh, Dennis Hopper got a credit this episode. It uh, said, like, and I think it says, like, and Dennis Hopper as Victor mm. Drazen. Um, I was, you know, it's funny because I was watching for Dennis Hopper's name appearing in this episode and I must have blanked before I was able to get to it. 
Uh, you mentioned it, and spoiler or not, but this is the last ever conversation between Kim and Terry. But it's we all know why that happens. They just they became estranged and Cougar at Kim. Angry because Kim was responsible for her rape. <laughs> no, because Kim's had such a bad life. She needs to be locked yeah, away. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Penny Johnson Gerald has no lines this episode. Uh, and Ryan Chappelle's office, presumably meant to be division or district, has exactly the same view from its window as George Farragamo's. Ah, he's just got into his burnt, de- burnt office he's and taken, taken over. Farragamo's yeah, office is free. Let's go, kids. Right. <laughs> That's why he wasn't available. They were trying to call him. Listen, we were painting in here, guys. <laughs> It's still a reeks of, of fire. Yeah. <laughs> There's some evidence we found here. I don't know what this is. Keith did it. Oh, we'll throw that out. That's not important. Uh, what are you? What are you doing with this episode, Colin? I'm intrigued. Actually, what you're going to do with this episode? I I'm going to rent this one. I don't even necessarily know if it's a really strong rent, but it's good enough for rent. Yeah, look, I, I, as I said, I probably came into this thinking that I'd be buying every single last episode, you know, the final, we bought the last two, but yeah, like, I think talking about this has gone, okay, it's got some problems, like, the Jack stuff, like, is amazing, but yeah, I mean, I'd say it's a high rent, I, I would go out and mm-hmm. say it's a high rent, just because I think the Jack stuff is strong enough to make it that way, um, I mean, in terms of my overall rankings, um, I've yeah, got mine again, at 15, yeah, look, I'm thinking I'm going to put this above... What was episode 18? That was only a couple of weeks ago. Oh, no, that was a good episode. Uh, I'm going to put it below episode 18, so I'm going to go... Yeah, 15 for me as well. Oh, look at us being besties, sort of. <laughs> I mean... Can't I you just do something unique for a change, Ben? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> unique? What does that mean? Uh, are you saying your name's Monique? Um, <laughs> that was a bad joke. Um, this episode on IMDb's rankings came in at 115th, so it didn't even make the top 100. <laughs> I think it's a bit harsh. I think there's definitely worse episodes than this. Well, but um, I, I think it's tough because I was just looking through. I'm trying to find what is the lowest rated episode. I was looking just on the season rankings alone. See, so, okay, what has the lowest rating here? 8.1 is the lowest rating any 24 episode has, and there are probably a half a dozen episodes a season that are ranked 8.1. Uh, well, you're look. I'm looking at a different one. I've got the very, very bottom. So the lowest episode here is a seven point eight, which is twelve a.m. Uh, I'm, I'm only looking eight. at uh, season. Yeah, one. I'm only looking right. at season one. Yeah. Okay. So the worst episode. I, I mean, God, I barely remember season eight. But according to this, the worst rated anything is twenty four Redemption, which we'll obviously cover. I don't. I didn't think Redemption oh. was that bad. I've maybe only watched it twice. That must but, not count Legacy. Uh, well, no, because Le- Legacy technically is a separate show. Um, but where putting it under the same umbrella. Uh, it is always classified as a spin-off. Um, so, but yeah, I, I guess it's like if we were doing law and order, dun, dun, we're not going to classify SVU as the same as criminal intent. They're separate shows under the same umbrella. So I'm actually kind of happy here though. It's, it's, it's actually not that many 8.1 rated episodes as I thought there were. Uh, there's really only two for the entire season and they are two of the the worst episodes. I mean, the the Hanlon episode of mentioning is at least tied for the worst episode of season one. Well, next week we're not going to have the worst episode of season one because I'm I'm pretty sure that the last three are all buys. Uh, mm. Pretty sure an episode in the last three will be probably number one. It's number one on IMDb, so I think it was voted as one of the top ten episodes of television of the 2010s or 2000s, whatever. Uh, but next week, that's not the next episode. We're going to episode 22, 9 to 10 p.m. Um, get a bit of 
Kim being places. Um, Terry gets a few things. Um, Sherry's like, hey, hey, Patty, she's pretty hot. Would you like to, you know, you know hey, 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 like, what, what do you want to do over there? Uh, and we get some more good Jack stuff. Like, I mean, I, I actually really like the sort of Drazen's little lair and kind of the stuff that's going on with all of that. So, um, no, I, I'm down. I'm down with everything that we've got coming forward here. So, um yeah, you said you've watched, I think, the first 15 minutes of it. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know sort of uh, if you remember much else that happens with it. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, nothing bad is really ha- – like, there's going to be stuff to nitpick at. But even, like, the, the pointless Terry and Kim stuff kind of has its merits moving forward here. Yeah, because we know we're getting close to the end of it. Uh, but, I mean, it is, it's is—it's all about the Drazens at this point till the end of the season. I mean, we'll, we'll get some good twists, but the Drazens carry us through these last couple episodes. It's like that uh, that song, cause it's all about the Drazens, about the Drazens, no travel. <laughs> it's all no. about the Drazens, about the Drazens, no travel. <laughs> okay, that's enough. Um, Let's close that episode with Ben's rendition of It's All About the Drazens. No, I'm not doing that again. It takes forever to read it. Um, <laughs> like us on Facebook. You'll listen to it all in the end here. Uh, but yeah, we're, I can't believe we're only three episodes away from the first season ending. Wow, this is crazy. Uh, a lot of fun. And I look forward to being back, I'm sure, as as Colin does as well. Um, my name is Ben, and whew, I'm just a little flustered. And my name is, it's all about the call, it's about the call, it's about the call. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.